Please take your Bible and open to Genesis chapter 2 on page 2 of the blue Bibles in front of you, if you would like to use one of those. Page 2. Now in our fourth week in our series in Genesis 1 through 3, we have finally come to the second page of the Bible. Genesis chapter 2, we'll be thinking about verses 1 through 3 this morning. It is a normal thing to be tired on Sunday morning at church. It is a normal thing. So if you're tired this morning, I want to welcome you into a room of a lot of weary people around you. Life is full of activity, and I figure from Sunday to Sunday, many of us are coming here tired. Which is another way of saying We often feel like we could use rest. I don't need to ask you to raise your hand to say who in here is tired because I have a pretty good guess at the answer. But what I do need to ask is, do we know where we can get rest? Do we know where we can get rest? I've learned about myself that I am not good at rest. And that is not a humble brag. Saying something like, my biggest weakness is just, I try too hard. I talk and I think, I preach about my need for rest. And yet, when the opportunity presents itself, I often keep working. I go to bed late, finishing something. I wake up in the night because my mind won't stop working on a problem or a worry. I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is find the project to complete throughout my day. I try to fit more and more activity into less and less time. And if I need more time, I take it out of my rest. As responsibility increases in my life, I plan less to make sure there are breaks in my day, in my week, in my month, in my year. And when I do get times of rest, I spend that time often halfway working, just in a different way. I live like work is a must and rest is an option. Can you relate to any of that? Our culture doesn't help us. Because our culture doesn't seem to be aware that rest is important. Where in our fast-paced world will you hear encouragement to rest simply because rest is good and good for you? You heard that in your work this week? When was the last time your employer praised you publicly for taking all your vacation time? Your favorite streaming service. When was the last time they scheduled blackout dates so that you could focus not on a television screen, but on other things that would actually bring your mind true rest? Has your email or your Instagram ever messaged you and said, turn us off? You need rest. And to make it harder, the so-called heroes of our culture in business or government or fitness are people who seem to defy the need for rest. So I imagine in our tiredness or our weariness, even this morning, we know we need rest. But I think we could also probably use some help seeing a clear path, whether it be inside us or outside us. To finding that rest. Thankfully, 
we have God's word, which teaches us about rest and where to find it. So as we open Genesis 2 this morning, if you've not been with us, let me help you know where we've been recently. We've been discovering from Genesis 1 how it is that God created the world and everything in it. He created all things. And then last week we understood how he placed mankind, humanity at the pinnacle of his creation. They were people, persons, given purpose, made to be perfect. And then in chapter 2, a shift happens. Let's let's look at chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day. And made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. I'd like us to see this morning that this text is doing all that it can to show us a direct connection between God's finished work and the rest that follows. This is the main idea communicated to us in Genesis 2, 1 through 3. We need rest. And God's finished work is our rest. We need rest. That'll be point one. And God's finished work is our rest. That'll be the second part of the sermon this morning. We need rest. God's finished work is our rest. Let's begin seeing that we need rest. The creation needed rest. We, as part of it, need that rest too. Notice how after we've we've gone through six days of God's activity to make the world and all that is in it. Now we are here at day seven and there's nothing left for God to do. He's done. And so creation is finished. Complete. God always brings his work to completion. There are never any loose ends in the purposes he has for your life. The passage is straightforward. Verse 1, all creation is done. Verse 2, the creation work that's done is God's, and he's done with it. Reminding us that creation is totally to God's credit. So God rests, which means he stopped his work. There were no scraps left on the workbench to sweep into the trash can. No stray potting soil on the gardener's bench. And the narrator, Moses, gives us an interpretive key to God's action in verse 3. He says, so God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. There was a sacred significance to the act of God's rest. It was a divine consecration. He made it holy. He consecrated the seventh day. He set it apart for the purpose of not working but resting. So, to ask the obvious question, to lead us in understanding the obvious parts of this text first, what does God do when he finishes working? He rests. There are three main actions in these verses. God finished, God rested, and God blessed and made holy. God was 
actively resting just as much as he had been active in his work. He intentionally turned from work to engage in rest, which was an action separate from his creating. When God rested, he was still doing something. Now, that may seem like hyper simple, but I am deliberately stressing that because so far in Genesis, every act and move of God comes with a heavy freight of significance for us as human beings. Speaking, things exist. Ordering, the world in which we live. Directing, the purposes he has for all things. Blessing, it all has heavy significance for us as humans living in his created world. So day seven, and what God does here, is equally loaded. And we see him resting. God wasn't tired. He didn't rest out of necessity. He's unlimited in his power and strength. He knows no need, no lack in and of himself. He's perfect in every way. He was not in this act of six days stretched to his creative limits. God's rest is not a revelation, like an aha moment of, ah, there it is. There's a weakness in God. There's the limitation. As if we caught God needing a breather. No, the breathtaking pace and expanse of the universe appearing in a week is proof enough of his boundless nature. A God who can rest after just creating the universe shows that this God is in complete control. Sometimes we can't go to sleep because we're afraid of what will happen the next day. We're, we're worried about our safety. We wonder what will happen when our minds go off and we're not aware and present to manage all the things that are going on in our life. But God, he puts planets into orbit and then he rests. He's not worried about those planets zooming off. He's not worried about chaos breaking out as soon as he turns He is confident that he has thought of everything, planned everything, ordered everything. And he is the kind of powerful God that can both rest and sustain all things at the same time. Now, we have no idea what God was doing before this other than existing eternally because he's God. But from our vantage point as the reader of this narrative, we know he wasn't working. There's a distinction. He started this creative work at a point in time, and he finished it. So I want to emphasize that God is capable of existing in a state completely separate from work. And I think that's important for us. Perhaps this is why he made the seventh day. To show us that God is a God who both works and rests A balance he intended to show then in the creation that reflects him. We are not just made for work. God did not need rest, but we do. For God, rest demonstrates his independence. He can work, but not need the product of his work to sustain him. We work in order to eat, don't we? In order to live, God can rest, but not need the rest in order to function as God. But we depend on rest or we break down. 
Our need for rest reminds us that we are dependent beings. We need rest because we aren't God. We need rest because we aren't God. So if you recognize that you're not God, you need rest. And that's just the way it's always going to be as created beings. God made us dependent and thankfully he gladly took on the responsibility of then providing for us as dependent beings all that we need. Last week he gave humanity and the animals enough to eat that they would never go hungry. Here he gives rest. God rested for the good of his creation in taking a day of rest and then calling that rest sacred God built into the fabric of his created order an incredible gift. God rested so that we would experience the blessing of rest. Even after the fall, when Adam and Eve sinned and brought a curse on the world that made work toilsome, still God told his people to keep resting. If you read Exodus chapter 20, you'll hear God command Israel to rest. He points them to this seventh day as the reason they were to cease from working every seventh day of their weeks. They were supposed to incorporate rest into their lives because God rested from his work. So God designed the whole created order to respond to his finished work with our own work. But before we started working, before Adam and Eve started their labors in tending the garden and exercising dominion and caring over it, before we learn about anything of what they did to that end, there's rest first. The rest God gives is the rest we need. So it's very important that we understand what rest is and how we receive it. Let me give us a working definition of rest built off of what we've seen so far, just from Genesis chapter 2, 1 through 3. Rest is an intentional ceasing from work in order to receive the blessing provided by God for dependent beings. Rest is an intentional ceasing from work in order to receive the blessing provided by God for dependent beings. So our rest is a response to the rest God takes. In resting, God is giving us rest. In resting, we receive the rest God gives. He rested in order to give us rest. We rest in order to receive rest. So look, look at this. Last week, we, we filled our minds and we, we thought about the purpose for which we're created and made in the image of God and the work that he's given us to do to exercise dominion and care. And now look, now we don't only work with purpose, we rest with purpose. There are two kinds of rest, I think, that appear most prominently in our lives, the kind of rest we need. There's the physical rest, and there's the spiritual rest. And that's just a reflection of how God has made us, both physical and spiritual, body and soul. We are embodied souls. 
We need physical rest. We need rest from work. We need to occasionally stop. We need to take a nap. We need to have quiet. We need to cease from activity. We're limited. Even in the functions God gave us, good functions he gave us when he created us. Even before sin messed things up, even before the fall, on day six, God gave mankind work to do, purpose to exercise rule over creation. But without day seven following it, we would conceive of life as always and only work. Thank God for day seven. Because we don't have endless streams of energy and effort, do we? A life of work without rest would mean a life that is terrible of exhaustion and depletion. So God plans lovingly for regularly restoring and renewing our strength. He gave us a day out of seven for it. We need physical rest. We need spiritual rest. God made us with souls. There's a part of us that is not sustained by food or water or exercise. Human life is God-breathed. It is foundationally God-dependent on his spirit to make us live. Had Adam and Eve not sinned, they still would have needed soul rest, I think. And because they did sin, and we sinned in them, we needed even more. Sin introduced burden. Before Adam and Eve decided to try to be gods themselves, they knew work, but they never knew what it meant to be burdened. Sin added burdens to what would have only been joyful aspects of human existence in God's world, according to God's ways. The burdens we live with in our fallen world accentuate our need for spiritual rest. We need rest from the burdens of brokenness that we see all around us. We need rest from the endless press to be more and do more. We need rest as we see a culture of distracted and disjointed activity. As we observe ceaseless movement, as we witness death, death and disease, as we walk with people in human suffering, as we live under the fear of enemies or wars or personal harm, we witness the reality of a world breaking apart in the environment and the ecology. We hear of brothers and sisters persecuted. We see it all around us. We see these burdens and we know we need rest. And not only outside of us, we need rest from the brokenness that exists inside us. Physical sickness, fatigue, chronic sickness, emotional suffering, gnawing anxiety that keeps us up at night. Fear of death, fear of harm, despair, failure. Regret, shortcomings. So, what began as a basic human need for rest due to our human limitation has now become an absolute desperation for rest in light of our broken human condition. 
We all need rest. So then let's look and see, secondly, that God's finished work is our rest. God's finished work is our rest. You notice how many times the text repeats that God finished his work. Let's read it again. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Seems like it's trying to get a point across, doesn't it? We're meant to see the direct connection between God finishing his work and our rest. There is a principle established here that holds true in week one and then will hold true for all time. It's the beginning and it's going to get bigger and brighter as God's history unfolds. The principle is this. Our rest comes through the finished work of God. That's the principle. Started at creation. So let me prove that to you. Notice. Let me prove it to you in four statements. Notice first, God's finished work precedes our rest. I'm trying to prove to you that the the text is emphasizing that our rest comes through the finished work of God. And the first way it makes that point in Genesis 2, 1 through 3, is that God's finished work preceded our rest. So before we worked, God worked. And before we worked, we rested. The first full day mankind spent on the earth, day seven, he spent it resting. That's statement number one. God's finished work precedes our rest. Statement number two, God's finished work provides us rest. God made a world in which we can rest. Things are so ordered that they don't come off the hinges as soon as we stop giving them attention and giving them order. We can rest and the world goes on. Third statement, God's finished work prioritizes rest. Prioritizes rest, gives it a value for us. God wants us to rest. He wanted the whole creation to rest immediately after he finished working. So much so that he made a special day for it, a day set apart, a holy day. Rest is a very important thing to God. Friends, it doesn't matter what the culture says. God says rest. So rest. It should be among our highest priorities. Fourth statement. God's finished work planned our rest. God is all-knowing. We see a master plan in his creation, an order that builds from day one to day six. And day seven was just as much a part of that predetermined order as any of the other days. God went to work on days one to six. He welcomes us to explore this cathedral he's made on day six. And then he invites us to rest. What a loving father we have. Who labors so that we, his children, can sleep. God's finished work is our rest. That is the principle established at creation. But God had another creative work in store later in history that would even more fully demonstrate this principle. Which is very good news. Because as I've already mentioned, 
Even though God created the world and everything in it to rest in him and it was very good and it started out in total peace and rest. We know that's not the world we're living in. The undoing of rest was our fault, was mankind's fault. Adam and Eve wouldn't rest in God's order and chose instead to pursue their own way. And forsaking the rest that God provides, we forfeit the ability to ever truly rest at all. Instead of welcoming God's gift of rest, Adam and Eve invited a horrible host of burdens they would have never known otherwise. The curse that sin brings into the world is burdens without relief, toil without rest, attack without reprieve, damage without healing, brokenness without mending, thirst without satisfaction, souls with weights that never get lifted. Sleepless eyes, racing minds, grief, sorrow, pain, and death. So it's good news to know that there is another work God finished, which gives us rest from these. God's finished work in Jesus Christ is our great rest. After humanity gave up a world of work and rest in God's presence, God sent his own son to restore us to that life. Jesus came. He worked. He worked for 30 years. He did the work of his father. He lived in complete obedience to God. He depended fully on his father to guide him and sustain him. For our sake, Jesus did the work of suffering and sacrifice On the sixth day of the week, Jesus went to the cross and he gave his life there. The end of the cross work. He bore all the burdens there of our broken world and our broken hearts. He took all the fears. He took all your guilt. He took all the shame. He took all wrong versions of work and all wrong attempts at rest. On the cross, the father poured out his wrath on a broken, rebellious world without breaking us. The father broke Jesus, his son, and Christ's innocent blood was shed for our salvation. And as Jesus completed his obedient substitutionary sacrifice, he said, it is finished. It's finished. And on the Sabbath day, the seventh day, do you know what Jesus did? He rested from his cross work. He rested in the grave. And the next day, Jesus began a new creation by rising from death in victory. And then several days later, ascending into heaven where he sat down, signifying in that act, everything needed to make all things new is now done. It's finished. The old creation is on its way out now. The new has come and is coming. And now as Jesus' people, 
We rest on the first day of the week instead of the seventh day. There's been a great reversal to signify that a new work has started and is being completed. The creation principle we used to live by is now fulfilled in the redemption principle. Christ and his resurrection is now the Christian's rest. But before Jesus returns to bring a new created order to heaven and earth, he's already started his work. He started his work on you, Christian. By bringing you and giving you a new heart. A new heart remade to love him and obey him. Whereas before it only knew to rebel and follow your own ways. He's giving eternal rest now to anyone. Promising it to anyone who will intentionally stop working to save themselves. And instead receive the blessing provided in Christ for needy and broken sinners. Jesus offers this gift of rest to anybody who will receive it. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, he invites. So what do you need? What do you need? Wearied soul laid down by sin. What do you need to do? You need to come. You need only to come to Jesus. You need only to receive what is a very light burden he gives. A helpful burden, really, that, that enables us to depend on him and in exchange give him that crushing burden you tried to carry in living apart from him. It's all you need to do. Turn from your striving. Receive his rest. Come. Jesus is ready to receive you. Do not doubt that he can make this exchange. He's already done the work. It's finished on the cross. In life, death, and resurrection, Jesus makes good on this promise that if you come, you will have rest. Come to Christ. Don't let anything prevent you. Jesus finished his work so that you could receive his rest. Friends, Jesus has already done it. We do not need to bring any of our cleaned up religious striving or weak accomplishments as if if those two can supplement what he's already given. No. Jesus did all that's needed. We do not need to fear something needed additionally for our eternal rest, fearing that somehow Jesus missed it and we need to supply it or find another way to it. The full curse and burden of all your sins, Christian, has been fully laid on him. You do not need to lay more on yourself in construing guilt or shame or burden or living with it, thinking that that is somehow adding to his promise to give you rest ultimately. No. Jesus finished his work because he loves you. Jesus prioritizes your everlasting rest above his own life. And he did it all with an eternal plan. If you are in Christ, there is a new creation rest waiting you with him. Christ's finished work is our rest. So with the rest of our time, I'd like to give us just a few encouragements to rest. My first encouragement, rest in God's work. 
Rest in God's work. Value and enjoy rest as God's gift. In God's creating work, he gave you physical rest. In God's saving work, he gives your heart rest. Draw rest from both. In order to do this, we have to stop striving for control. We have to stop working for acceptance and recognition. We have to stop overvaluing our efforts, undervaluing God's effective work in our life. God loves us in a way that takes on the full responsibility of providing for us. Something Quinn reminded of us earlier from Matthew chapter 5 and 6. He takes that on himself. And in exchange, he says, I want you to have the blessing of resting in me. So really, cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. So bring all the same intentionality to your rest as you do to your work. God planned for your rest. He planned for us to rest in him. So review your weekly calendar and make sure it reflects God's intended rhythms for your life. And as you plan rest, try to find some quiet rest. I think that's important to say in our noisy culture. Try to find some quiet rest, even if it's only for a few moments. Quiet helps us rest from all activity. So that we can actively know and depend on God in those quiet moments. So rest in God's work. Second encouragement, rest instead of work. Rest instead of work. We often don't receive God's gift of rest because we don't believe he'll provide if we don't work. And in that we misunderstand God's heart. He doesn't give us what we work for. He gives us the gift of knowing we don't need to work for what he gives Oftentimes we work so hard because we do not want to live a dependent life that feels too vulnerable or it feels too weak. Isn't that pride? We think all our worrying and then working will pull us out of our dependent nature. But God says that's useless. That's not who you are. That's not who he made you to be. That's not who you'll ever be. That's not what he has for us. Psalm 127.2 says, It's in vain that we rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for God's priority, his gift, is to give his beloved sleep. To deny either the need for rest or to to deny your body the activity of rest is to deny the very way God purposefully made you to need it. And if your work or our activity does not permit us to regularly rest, we've made work our idol. And we depend on it more than we do God. Work idolatry is so normal in our society, you might not even be able to recognize it in your own life, which is understandable. Just another Realization we have that we need truth outside ourselves. So get together with another Christian and ask them to help you evaluate your approach to work and rest and see what helpful counsel they might give you. At the end of the day, the fruit of ceaseless worry and work will be bitter. You will find you enjoy nothing and you resent grace. But the fruit of a God-dependent life will be sweet. You will enjoy Many gifts and know it comes from your endlessly gracious Lord. Resting from work is an act of worship, 
We may in this room have different opinions about how we best rest. We may even have differing convictions on the kinds of things we do on this day to rest. But we are agreed as members of this church to rest together. We're committed to that. We're committed to coming together to find our rest in Jesus. So we gather today in recognition again that this is the day Jesus rose. But the rest doesn't come from the day. It comes from Jesus. The Sabbath day was the rest for the old creation and Jesus is the rest for the new. Our worshipful rest on the first day of the week is a way to prepare us for our life in this coming week and in the life in the new creation that's coming. You know, in the new creation, Revelation says there won't be days there. There will be no night. There'll be no darkness. But there will be Jesus. And he will be our rest. Third encouragement. Rest when you work. Rest when you work. The greater work Jesus did reminds us that the work to bring us rest has already happened. So we can enjoy spiritual rest at all times. Even when you're physically working. Even if your job takes a lot out of you. You can rest there. Your heart can find rest even in the labor of your work. So for those of us who hold responsibility for a lot of people in your job, remember that as you go about that work, God is holding up the world and everyone in it, including the people under your care and direction. Rest from the burden of leadership as you rest in God. For those whose jobs barely provide enough to get by, God is providing for you today as he did yesterday As he will tomorrow. Rest from the burden of tomorrow. By resting in Jesus. For those of us who don't have a job. With any income right now. God has given you good work to do today. Anyway. What opportunities has he given you to utilize your gifts. To create something good. Or beautiful. Go about that work. Who in your life. Is there that can that you can help who who's around you that has burdens that you can come alongside and shoulder the burdens they're carrying with them be about that good work for those who aren't sure what kind of work you should do or aren't sure if the work you're doing has any significance remember God is working in you in all seasons and all stations even a lame job he's even working there. At the cross, Christ started a work and began it to make you like him that he's even using your circumstances right now to accomplish, to bring to completion. Search out and talk to him to see how it is that he's doing that. Ask for his discernment and help. My final encouragement, work so that you can rest. Work so that you can rest. As we've seen in past weeks, the creation account is a shadow image. It will be eclipsed by a new creation that's coming. The rest creation enjoyed every seven days will become an eternal rest that all God's new creation will enjoy every day. 
in Hebrews 3 to 4 that Connor read earlier, the writer tells us that this land of rest is the destiny that awaits all God's people. So it it says to us, in light of that coming thing, it asks the question, what should we do today? And the answer is, let us strive to enter that rest. Let us strive. Let's be aware of the things that will waylay us, that will distract us, that will pull us away. Besetting sins, deceit, weariness. For as long as we are here in what remains of the old, we have work to do. Faith and obedience are the Christian's work. They are the activities that keep us safe from falling back under the crushing burden of sin. They are our occupation. For these brief moments of our life before heaven's final day comes. Brothers and sisters, it will not be long now. Labor and strive to believe and obey our Lord, knowing that blessing surely awaits. Make it your goal. If God will give you breath through the next 24 hours, make it your goal daily that every day, you will continue in persevering hope in Christ. Make it your greatest effort and prayer to do that every day until your last. Surely the Spirit will aid and assist in every weakness and weariness at every moment. He will give all that we lack. He will hold us up. Soon all our good labor will end and rest will begin. Revelation 14, 13 looks ahead and says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the spirit, that they may rest from the labors for their deeds follow them. I know that a lot of us are tired. I know many of us are weary, weary with good work that you've been about for God's purposes and his glory. I know that each one of us carries our own burden. I know for sure we're all broken. We're all in some way straining under the human load. Today, Jesus extends an invitation to all of us. Come to me and I will give you rest. There it is. Rest from Jesus. It is what we need. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for the finished work of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, we thank you that you gave your life to give us a life of rest. Holy Spirit, we praise you and ask that you would make the preaching of your word effective in our hearts. That by it we would respond with relief of our human load. And a welcome rest in Christ, our hope in our life. Lord, for any heart this morning, any of our hearts that are not at rest with you. Bring us into that rest. Lord, where we resist, convince us. Convince us where we need convincing, where we have so often stubbornly resisted in our own attempts at independence, convince us to rejoice in our dependence on you so that we may truly say all we have is Christ, so that we might truly proclaim 
that to know you is to know that it is well with our soul. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.